Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. The Around the NFL Podcast. Jinxed quarantine by shaving too soon. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis, joined in a virtual room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler, Greg Rosenthal, what is up, boys? Feels uh, like we made it here. The, the preview show. My favorite show of the week. I know you, you sometimes, Dan, you like to hate on the preview show a little bit, but uh, I love it. I'm personally. Never Does say Dan? That. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't put Dan in that, that role. <laughs> I love all things around the NFL podcast related. And this does feel like, you know, the, the day after we learned that the city of Los Angeles, where we live, canceled Halloween. Uh, it's good to know that some things are still around, and that's football, mm. which starts tonight with the Texans and the Chiefs at Arrowhead in front of 18,000 Brave fans. And uh, we're going to have a late-night Thursday mini-pod coming up later uh, today or early Friday that recaps that game, and hopefully uh, it will be all four of us with Chris Wessling. Um, and we're planning to head over to West Manor to see Lakeisha and Link and uh, the whole gang uh, a little bit later. So we're all excited and pumped up as we are every year. I believe this is our eighth season, boys, uh, doing NFL action here at the .com. Can you believe it, Mark? I mean, I yeah, I can. I think it's also when we started <laughs> – this show, you thought, well, this would be great if this lasted for, you know, a good six months until they catch wind of what we're doing here. And so the idea that the show has gone on for eight months is a small miracle, I think, in sports media industry circles. <laughs> the industry I think about the terrible boss miracle we had could be that, strong. That, that said that we couldn't even do the podcast together when it started. Like one of us had to stay in the newsroom. That's how right. little the, it was thought of. We, I had another boss that told me when I got... Uh, if I uh, finally got a full-time job at NFL, don't focus on the podcast. Don't take it too seriously. Your job is a writer. That's what you do. And we still write. And we still love to write. But this podcast is incredible. I think it's taken on a life of its own. And we're all very lucky to do it for another season. And this is Greg. And you're way off on that. I love 
I'm kidding. Episodes, I'm kidding. Hey, by the way, where's that shadowy leg right now? One. He's just biking around, uh, you know, he's biking around the beach somewhere, nothing to do. That's where he is. <laughs> Greg connecting some dots here. Maybe so are some listeners if they do their homework. All right. So what are we doing today? You know what we're doing. We're going to preview every game to be played on Sunday and Monday. And of course, it's week one. Everyone's playing. So we got a lot of games to get to. Very exciting. A few ground rules to remember as well uh, that we will be picking uh, in a draft order, which will be fun, which means Greg as the reigning locks champion. You get the first overall pick this year. Mm. Congratulations on that for the games that we'll be covering. Uh, and we'll do it snake style. So look out for that. And as I said, yes, each of us will pick one lock of the week, which we're usually very poor at, but uh, we'll track those all season long on the Thursday show. Uh, and one program note, and this is also very exciting. For the first time, the our preview program will also be airing on NFL Network Saturday mornings, 8 a.m. Eastern, which is just a beautiful little time slot. You wake up, uh, either watch it live or on the DVR and uh, get caught up to date if you missed the audio show or you want to see our beautiful mugs. And it's also, Mark, you know, for those teens out there, a 1 a.m. 1 a.m. Eastern Sunday morning airing. And, you know, the teens love that, the late night stuff. They do. I mean, it's, you know, in days of old, it would be just as some of them are getting back from the bars. And, and But now it's just, you know, people that have been lodged on couches for seven or eight straight hours that are still up at 1 a.m. and saying, well, this show is on. I will guess I'll watch this. What else is there to do? <laughs> Greg, you know, a little more on that 1 a.m. slot. You're always team this and team that and team yeah. this and team that. So that's, you know, especially important to you. Well, I like creating divisions among the people I like and the people I don't like. Uh, but uh, 10 p.m. Pacific, though, that's how I'm on Team team West Coast time. I'm sick of this East Coast bias, always saying East Coast. 10 p.m. is a beautiful time slot out here on the West Coast. Not bad. Not bad at all. All right. Without further ado, it's time to get to it. Spin through all the games on Sunday and Monday. You guys can pick any game you want. Any game at mm. all. And, Greg, like we said, you have the first overall pick, and there's a little pressure involved here. Mm. Uh, we did our Wednesday live stream YouTube question and answer, uh, which was a lot of fun. We technically did preview the first game of the season there. But there's something different, the Thursday show. Like, yeah. it's, uh, it's up to you to do this. Well, sometimes the number one overall pick is the obvious choice. Like the Bengals, you know, the obvious choice was taking Joe Burrow. The week one obvious choice for the best game is Bucks Saints. So that's what I'm taking right off the top. I'm looking forward to watching that in the afternoon window, like the rest of the country. Joe Buck, Chris Collinsworth, it's going to be beautiful. The NFL schedule makers got this right when they put Tom Brady versus Drew Brees in week one. They're making sure no one can get hurt, you know, during the season. I want to see this matchup twice, and I want to see what Tom Brady does against a very good Saints secondary. And I think if you look at these two teams and you're looking for something that separates them, they both have great pass rush, they both have great weapons, but the Saints have that depth in the secondary where both of these quarterbacks are looking for matchups. That's what they're picking out. Like, where is the mismatch? And I think it's harder to find going up against the Saints secondary now that they have Janoris Jenkins, Marshawn Lattimore. They're very deep at safety now with Malcolm Jenkins, Marcus Williams. They've got good players coming off the bench. It's going to be tougher for Brady, I think, to find open receivers in this game than Drew Brees, who's going to be playing his millionth game in the Superdome. I know you love that, Sessler. 
Well, you know, I th- I think this is a fascinating matchup, and everyone talks about the fact that the Chiefs are returning 18 of 22 starters. To your point, Greg, the Saints' defense returns 10 of 11. This was a team that was third in the league in sacks last year. I think that went a little bit under the radar. And I kind of can't wait to see, you know, t- I think, you know, Sean Payton and Drew Brees – could it could be on you know a heavy dosage of uh, hallucinogenics and tell still tell you about their playbook um, from from total memory. That's how familiar everything is in New Orleans. Tom Brady is Tom Brady, but you're still dealing with teammates in a playbook that is still in formation. And what happens when O.J. Howard runs like a button hook when he was supposed to run an out, and Tom Brady's tossing the ball to a ghost? And suddenly you're going to get that moment where Tom Brady likes to tell his receivers, you got to get on the same page as me. There might be a little bit of that. And I think that makes this game super intriguing because Tom Brady is in a totally new environment. Bruce Arians is sitting on a potential Super Bowl team, but there's a lot to adjust to right in week one. But I'm going to tell you one little thing right now. I believe in the Saints. I believe in them so much. And I know this is going to be a tight game. I think this is a great way to start this season of locks for me. I'm going with the New Orleans Saints as my lock of the week, baby. All right, that's that's a solid one. I, I like that. We like to. We, there's a code of conduct in this on this podcast where you never lock a team that's too heavy a favorite. You got to look in the mirror, pass that mirror test. But I think, especially in week one, with so many, especially with how the summer played out and so many other factors, to just imagine any team as a heavy favorite to me seems a little bit foolhardy. So I, I I'm with you. I do think this is the Saints game to win for the reasons you guys added and uh, that. Listen, the Bucks, they were, to me, the training camp champions. I would even give them the whole offseason title, mm. uh, the way the Browns won it the year before, and it didn't work out for Cleveland, and who knows if it works out for Tampa. But I do imagine there will be some bugs in the machine, uh, glitches in the matrix early <laughs> on with a new quarterback and a new uh, offensive setup in the post-Jameis Winston era. How about the idea of, and nobody roots for injuries, but Jameis Winston, what if he got in this game somehow and he's going against <laughs> the Bucks right off the bat? I also want to know Taysom Hill, who signed that $21 million extension for two years. You know Sean Payton, uh, with that uh, commitment to Hill, he's going to make sure he's in this game. And I want to see how he's deployed with Drew Brees at 42 years old. Yeah, I I totally agree about the Saints in terms of if they put in Jameis Winston – they, they would run up the score. I mean, do you remember last year, Teddy Bridgewater had his best game of the season in a blowout against this Bucks team. So this matchup in terms of Sean Payton versus Todd Bowles, we've seen it before. And uh, the, the Calvin Kamara that we're going to see this year, I think is going to be a little bit different. I think this matchup plays very well. And, and I feel a little ashamed, I got to admit, seeing that Mark did the lock of the week. Because I was feeling the same thing. I'm going to lock it up, too. I'm not going off that. It's weird to, that we're both locking right off the top. Join me. Thought, you know, we need to start the season with a bang. Join me. I like that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in, in groupthink with the, the champion from last year's lock, uh, lock off. So I like that. And, you know, Kamara, he, he, last year, not healthy, had 100 yards in each of the two games against Todd Bowles and the Bucks. He was still effective. Mm. I think he's a perfect weapon to unleash against a very good Bucks defense. To me, I mean, this game is the one that I'm just going to turn all the other screens off and just focus on this. We have been talking about Tom Brady endlessly for months and months, and we haven't even mentioned Rob Gronkowski. I mean, there's just so much to like about this matchup that it is uh, it is a juicy week one offering. I'm glad they scheduled it as such. 
Last thing I'll say is, right, is all us, the focus on yes. the running back in Tampa, Leonard Ford. It's like a, a lot of wasted hot takes and hot air. It's like they but were they, they were dead one? last in the league in running the ball in the first half of game when Jameis Winston was their quarterback. You think they're suddenly going to start running the ball with Tom Brady? Give me a break. It's got to be about no. three carries at halftime. <laughs> all right. We'll have to see how it all plays out. Let's uh, move on to the second draft pick of week one, Mark Sessler. I'm a magnanimous man, so I give it to you. Well, thank you. You know, I'm going to go, I, you know, in the past, I would shy away from this type of matchup because it's a little too uh, glistening, a little too glittery. It includes the Dallas Cowboys, which, you know, Ooh. whether or not I want to watch them, they're on prime time basically every other week. <laughs> I like this Cowboys at Rams matchup a lot. I think these are two should be playoff teams. Uh, and unless something goes wrong. And I know, you know, Greg is high on the on the Eagles, which means you must be low on the Cowboys. I don't know why that has to happen. I think that this Dallas offense, yes, you have a new coach in Mike McCarthy, but I think Mike McCarthy is on a bit of a revenge tour to salvage his reputation, which was a little bit, you know, harassed at the end of the Green Bay stint. I love that they kept Kellen Moore at offensive coordinator. There's a lot of continuity here. The one big difference, you added CeeDee Lamb to create basically the best wide receiver core, I think, in the NFC. And they talked about CeeDee Lamb. You know, you get these camp reports. Some of these rookie first-round wideouts are shining or they're not. They've talked about CeeDee Lamb as someone that they want to plug in with a primary role right away. Uh, Jerry Jones said that. Mike McCarthy has said that. My one concern you know, and I, I think that Zeke Elliott also this is someone that they said we're going to throw the ball a lot more to Zeke Elliott. He's going to get back into the way it was in 2018. My concern is you have Lyle Collins out of the lineup and you have someone named Cam Irvin in there, the bust first round hmm. pick of the Browns, who they're saying we have all the confidence in the world in. But this is not you can't just say this is the same Cowboys line of old. I think that's your concern for the safety of Dak Prescott, for the functionality of the whole offense. But if Zeke Elliott, for instance, can, can overcome that. I really like Dallas in this game. I do. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Dallas the is gonna Collins have- injury. It, it's one of the biggest uh, factors in this game, Dan. Like I, I, No one's talked about it this week. They're basically down to two guys you think of as the Cowboys offensive line, Tyron Smith um, and Zach Martin. It used to be five guys that you could trust, and now they're just kind of like another team. Well, Martin is still an, uh, an elite guy, and maybe Tyron Smith has come down a little bit. I still think the line is going to be above average. Maybe, like you said, it's not going to be an elite line, uh, but they've they've earned the benefit of the doubt for me a little bit at that position. And then when you look everywhere else, if that line holds up, I think this team could be has number one offense in the NFL potential. I think it's it's mm. at that point. And on the Rams side of the ball, I think the there's been a little bit of people getting down on the Rams as having kind of no chance and being a team in transition that had their shot. And maybe that is the the case. And that's why it's kind of fun to watch this all play out. Cause maybe, yeah, that's exactly what's going on in Los Angeles right now. But how about Sean McVay and our buddy, Chris Wessling, who we wish was with us right now has pointed out that maybe Sean McVay was handcuffed a little bit last year. Todd Gurley, the highest paid running back in the league, this guy that was supposed to be the face of the franchise, and they kept feeding him and running the offense in some ways through Todd Gurley, and now he's gone, and the Rams obviously made it a point that it wasn't going to work with him in the mix anymore. Now we can see what Sean McVay looks like uh, putting this offense together uh, where he doesn't have Gurley in the mix. And I also like the idea of Jared Goff 
coming off an off year when everyone thinks Jared Goff is not that great and maybe he's not a Hall of Famer. But I like to see what Sean McVay does here with a still very good group of wide receivers and an interesting backfield. We don't know much about how it is going to operate right now. But I think the Rams offense could, is going to be surprising people this year. I, I can't wait to see Van field. Jefferson. Who I think Van Jefferson was one of the stars of Hard Knocks, but also someone. It was one of the few bits of real football information you got from Hard Knocks that they love this guy. I, you know, for me though, the one thing Jared Goff's offensive line is not really improved that much. And I think that was that was the issue with Jared Goff, that he is going to thrive when he's protected well. And you look at kind of his metrics and his numbers, and they fall off a dangerous cliff when he's not protected well. They have great continuity, though, you know, throughout their team. These two teams have great offensive continuity. But the matchup that I'm exci- I would be excited about, you know, I'm excited for my daughter. She's a Rams fan, is when those Rams receivers are out there against these Dallas corners. Those Dallas corners weren't very good a year ago. And then you change your scheme. You got Mike Nolan there. That's where the big change came in Dallas. And so you have guys that really weren't that great. And now you're trying to fit them into a different scheme. And I think you've got more depth on the offense and more versatility uh, in L.A. than they've ever had because they're going to use – their tight ends with Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett because of Van Jefferson and because of that backfield you mentioned that they're better off without Gurley I love I love me some Cam Akers I like Malcolm Brown we'll see if Daryl Henderson gets in the mix for a little bit of speed but I think if you're looking at two teams with a lot of continuity I'm gonna trust the one in Sean McVay that got a big time playoff win run going up and down the field against the Cowboys a couple years ago how about the Rams for a nice little home upset open up their stadium all I'd right. say one little one little I mean, quick note about this game is that like this is so um this is so this offseason that Michael Brockers said that he had no way to scout uh the Cowboys at all and that he's basically just resorted to watching like what little shreds of practice clips he can find on YouTube. That's what teams are dealing with <laughs> right now. It's gonna be insane. I think week one is gonna be wild. I think it's gonna be filled with upsets, quote unquote. And I think the desert people are in for a rude awakening. Even would he be totally stunned just by the recent history of the Dallas Cowboys if everyone does all this hype talk about their wide receiver room and Zeke and Dak being the MVP this year, and then they score 13 points? No, it's what they do. They, they blow hype. That's what the Cowboys do. That's what they do. All right, moving forward, I'm up. I got the snake pick, so I got two picks here. I'm a little bit nervous. Uh, I'll go with... Monday Night Football, let's do it. Ooh. Is Chris Berman calling the game? I don't know. Steelers yeah. at the G-Men. <laughs> Such and a I'm really pick. pumped. Uh, I'm really pumped. Yes, I love it. I love the Tiffany franchises. I love uh, talking G-Men in transition post-Eli. It'll be very interesting to see um, how this offense looks. I don't think this is a playoff team. Uh, in the Meadowlands this year with the Giants. But I also, you know, we just talked about it with the Cowboys. Do you really ever trust the Cowboys? The Eagles have some of their own question marks, although Greg thinks they're going 19-0. I think the Giants can potentially hang around in the NFC East and surprise people if the offense it plays up the standards, if Danny Dimes uh, makes the leap, if Saquon Barkley is back to rookie version, which was absolutely dominant. They have some playmakers on the outside as well, and a good slot man in Golden Tate, and Evan Ingram, who's a great tight end if he can stay on the field. So I don't think the Giants, if their offensive line is better uh, and Danny Dimes cleans up some of his mistakes, are going to have any problem scoring points this year. I think they're going to lose some mm. shootouts as well, but that's the way it is. On the Cowboys side of things, excuse me, on the Steelers side of things, I think this is a Super Bowl-ready team. I picked them on NFL.com to win the Super Bowl. Um, I think that if Big Ben is – 
75% of what he was before the injury. I think this is a team that's going to roll over teams, and I think they're going to have their way with the Giants in week one. With the one caveat, Greg, same thing I'm going to say with all these games, that maybe mm. the Steelers have to knock off some rust, and it's closer than we realize, but I like the Steelers here. Yeah, I, I do too, but they are one of those teams, the Steelers, that hit a lot in camp. Maybe Joe Judge was like that too. You know, Joe Judge is a tough guy. Everyone knows that. It's Joe Judge. Oh, you know it. Yeah. Um, so maybe these are the two most ready teams. But the Steelers are one of those teams that Tomlin was tackling and he was hitting. He was He's still running those old school training camps. So they seem to me like a team that would be absolutely prepared for week one because they have such a veteran defense who knows what they're doing where – the Giants are installing a whole new offense, a whole new defense. And, and I'm with you. I think the Dimes, man, uh, I think he's going to be delivering all year. I actually think they can hold up against his defense. But when you go to the other Just side. Just call him the Dimes, man? I, eh, well, why not? You know, we <laughs> got a Dimes comma, man. Games. I, uh, I, I think the numbers game when the Steelers are on the field, and that's kind of what the NFL is now. Like, how many mismatches can you have? I said it in the Bucs Saints game. Every, every position is a mismatch. They're deep at receiver. I like their two tight ends, Ebron and McDonald, and the Giants don't have anything in the secondary. I'm sorry. I know they signed Logan Ryan, but this is a rough group, so there's mismatches everywhere. There should be a lot of points here. My my concern, because I would put Daniel Jones in like the, for this week alone, uh, t- to rank the quarterbacks, I'm excited to see. Daniel Jones is in the top five. I, I think mm. he can make the kind of leap that everyone wants to ascribe to a Kyler Murray and everyone else. Why not? I mean, you've got great weapons around you. It's really, it comes down to staying healthy. My concern in this game, because I think you're, to your point, Greg, the Steelers are battle tested and ready much more than 85% of the league right now. How do you stop TJ Watt? How do you stop Cam Hayward? How do you stop Bud Dupree? This is another team kind of like the Saints that rack up punishment on quarterbacks, sack totals, quarterback hits. And what we saw last year with Jones is he led the league in fumbles. When he was attacked and put under pressure, that was his Achilles heel. I think that's the kind of thing that you're going to see him improve on in year two. I mean, that had to be a focus. I think you're going to see a big leap from Daniel Jones. But can you put it all together in one week? To me, though, the overriding thing is that the the Joe Judge experience You've got to be, you know, dead inside, not to be kind of intrigued and excited by what this can mean for a Giants team that's been a snooze fest for a really long time. <laughs> All right, well, then you're the asset before the test, pandemic. Greg. Help right. me. Help that's me. why Greg and I are wearing black. Feel, if they make you feel something, Greg, if Joe Judge get, gets into that Greg Rosenthal little heart there, we know that Joe Judge has done his job, and we will be excited coming out of week one. Yeah, but you know, you know that with Rosenthal, like he, Joe Judge is just another turncoat from the Belichick tree. So he roots for him to fail and doubly because <laughs> it's the Giants because of what happened in those two Super That's Bowls fair. when Eli took down the great two headed behemoth. Please, Belichick I Brady. love the I love the Dimes man. Danny Dimes has gotten into my heart. I'm just not in love uh, <laughs> the fact that he's inherited Jason Garrett running his offense. I like fun football. It's been a while since the Giants have played some fun football. Let's hope Jason, we do it. Greg, Jason Garrett or Pat Shermer? I mean, are we? Is it really? I mean, I think, you know, at best, it's it's a draw. At least Shermer was throwing it 40 times a game. That was fun. Last to time. who? It feels like a bit of a, <laughs> with all due respect, like a talking head thing to just assume we're, we know what Jason Garrett's offense I don't, is going to be like you. this season. We don't. It's been 10 He's years. He's not the head coach anymore. You're right. You're right. All right. It snakes to me, right? This is the That's right. Says. you got to right. make the Here sound effect, though, Dan. I mean, that was one of the... For a national audience. Things. <laughs> Very problematic. Snake draft. Here we go. Oh, yeah. This is a no-brainer. Packers-Vikings. That is what? I mean, people, when they have their fantasy drafts, they get bummed out. 
when they're picking last. But when you mm. nail that that snake and that turnaround like I just did, then you're in the what do they call it? The something bird seat, cat bird seat. I don't know. We're in your world, Dan. You you can name it whatever you want at this point, I think. Cool, man. All right, Packers at Vikings. Love it. <laughs> awesome matchup. Love speaking of things I love. I love the NFC North. And there's so many great subplots here. This is a Vikings team that appears ready, absolutely, uh, to contend for a Super Bowl. And the Yannick Ngakwe pickup was so smart uh, by Rick Spielman because it filled a big need. They needed somebody that could get to the quarterback. They needed somebody to replace Everson Griffin. And Yannick Ngakwe can absolutely do that. And he doesn't have to be the only guy. Now, Daniil Hunter, their other great pass rusher, went to short-term IR. Are we calling it Boomerang IR? Are we still trying to make that Still Boomerang. The you got to go there. boomerang IR. It's a thing. Okay. We're making it a thing. We're forcing it okay. on people. Well, I was just more curious for the three-week version. Is that boomerang as well? I guess it is. It's just a shorter throw. Right. Shorter lob. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Daniil Hunter is not going to be playing in this game. That's that's an issue. Ngakwe is getting used to his new surroundings. He wasn't very active this summer. So that's something to watch along the defensive line for the Vikings. Um, but I think, again, with Dalvin Cook back, I know Stefan Diggs is gone, but I think Adam Thielen, who's going to be hopefully healthy this year, is going to have a big season with Kirk Cousins. And then on the other side of the ball, I'm fascinated. We talked about it on our uh, sandwich uh, prediction show on Monday. What Aaron Rodgers, I'm predicting he's an all-pro this year just because I want it to happen Yay! because I think that will be a lot of fun if it happens. And hell hath no uh, fury like a legendary quarterback scorned. I think he wants it. <laughs> And I think he's going to be better this year. Just a hunch, but we'll see. I'm with you on Aaron Rodgers having uh, the correct motivation now. Not that he didn't have it before, but it's right in his face. We're, we're, we're weeks away from him telling you know, our friend Kyle Brandt that he believed that the end in Green Bay was, you know, uh, was coming. That, he, that was sort of the tea leaves when they went and got love in the first round and traded up for him. He really had only four games last year where he threw for over 300 yards. That's going to have to change for him to be MVP. And the way that they attacked the Vikings, you know, more recently is that Aaron Jones had 400 yards in his last three outings against Minnesota. And I look at a Vikings defense with a completely rebuilt group of cornerbacks. It's three new corners. And Mike Zimmer is good at coaching those guys up. But there are some TBD mm. elements to, uh, to Minnesota's defense. There are, but I trust in Zimmer, and, and people have been focused on that. Okay, they, they've got these young corners. Well, the old corners were bad. Like, they weren't they were. playing well. Like, getting Xavier Rhodes out of there is a plus. And and Zimmer is one of the, the only coaches in the league that's really patient in terms of how he brings his draft picks along. So these guys have been around in terms of Hughes and Holton Hill. Like, they've been in the building. They're not rookies necessarily. And I like that. They needed some fresh blood. I'm a little worried, as Dan mentioned, uh, what they're going to be like up front. And I'm a little worried, Dan, you remember that game. We watched it with your father in the garage. I mean, the Vikings really didn't show up in a big spot. So this, is, this is a chance for them uh, to maybe set a new a new path this year because that was ugly uh, last year with the division. On the but you know what's weird, Greg? Uh, I remember that. I think it was a week 15 or 16 game. Monday and night, a huge yeah. game. Uh, and it basically sunk their chances of winning the division. And we all said, ah, the Vikings are frauds. Uh, you know, get Kirk Cousins out of here. He's doing gender reveal parties anyway. Anybody that does that needs to be thrown into the ocean. And then they went to the Superdome <laughs> in the playoffs and won a game. And I know they got killed the next week by the Niners. But yeah. it's like you never know which person shows up. You just never know. You're right. But they, I just find them to be the classic good, not great team. And I and I, I wait to see if they're a great team. I mean, the, the greatest thing that came out of that 
total flop by Minnesota was Dan's dad referring to Matt LaFleur as a little boy with a beard. I mean, that was a kind of the perfect indication of what I think he kind of looked like last year. I think he's grown up a little bit, and Matt LaFleur is probably wanting to show people, you know, stop talking about this soft 13-3 and record from a year ago, which I have pointed to 100 times. I don't like what happened in the NFC title game. They were not a 13-3 and team in that game to me, but Green Bay probably has a little bit of feeling but overlooked in general. They what? In fact, they were a fourteen. They were a fourteen and three game team in that game, I, and then they I lost. I stick by the fact that, like you know, we've been watching football for decades. I, there's a hundred thirteen and three teams. They did not vibe that way to me, but mm. that doesn't mean they weren't a very good team. All right. Anybody got the Vikings in this game? Or I do. The- I took them. You can check out my picks. Yeah. NFL.com or uh, game debut on Friday nights. I mean, why not? You got all sorts. Greg of went sixteen and zero one week last year in his picks on NFL.com. I'll tell you because he won't, Greg, but that was uh, impressive. He went back and changed. Greg, some I'll of the give results you. I'll give you a Monday, bag. But... I will give you a bag of cash if you do that <laughs> in this week. I really will. All right, time now for Road to Victory, presented by the U.S. Marine Corps. Mark, the draft heads to you. Well, and how about we take a little road, a little trip out west to San Francisco? That's what the Cardinals mm. are doing. They're hopping on a plane soon. They're going to get out there and. This is a classic kind of game that I, that I can get up for because you've got my guy, Kyle Shanahan, versus Cliff Kingsbury. I think two of the most interesting coaches around and inside an NFC West filled with great coaches. And this is going to have to kind of show us what Kyle Shanahan can do in a pinch. Your defense is banged up. You look at Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk. We don't know what's going on with those guys right now, whether they'll be available. Their wide receiver core is a mess. So I think you got to do this. you got to try to keep – Kyler Murray in that fast Cardinals offense, fourth fastest in the league last year, off the field, best you can. So maybe this is a run-heavy game. Maybe this is a game where George Kittle, if you own him in fantasy, is going to lead you to a win because you're just going to funnel the ball to him all day long. What you don't want to do if you're the Niners is let Kenyon Drake do what he did last time that he dealt with this team. He had about 250 mm. yards in his two matchups against the Niners. They shut everyone down. He was someone they could not shut down. I cannot wait to see what Arizona's four wide receiver offense looks like in week one. Yeah, you think of that four wide receiver sets that Kingsbury did so much last year. Now he actually has four good wide receivers. So it makes you think, is he just going to do it all the time? Now that he's got Hopkins as the one, but you slide in Christian Kirk as a two. Larry Fitzgerald supposedly had an amazing training camp, which is just, it's funny that he's still having amazing training camps and dominating he's the, people. Well, he's the same as Frank Gore, Greg. These guys that everyone loves, <laughs> yep. their veterans always have great camps. They they do, but I don't I don't doubt that he's outworking this Cardinals secondary. Oh, now sure. you have Andy and Isabella, and you're you're playing fast, and it's totally opposite to what Kyle Shanahan really likes to do, uh, Mark. So they're they're from the old school in San Francisco in terms of Shanahan running these heavy sets with fullbacks, and keep an eye on two tight ends, not just George Kittle, but Jordan Reed. Now here's mm-hmm. a guy who's gotten a little bit of camp hype uh, over the years and hasn't always stayed healthy, but he really would change their team if Jordan the old Jordan Reed from Washington shows up like that to me is a major x factor and Shanahan will know how to use him I'm sure he will show up and I'm not making light of it but the reason he has great camps is because he's a a gifted athletic pass catcher and playmaker and then when he gets hit unfortunately he's had head injuries that come up year after year hopefully he shakes that because they really need somebody else to step up right now Greg you've been very down on the Niners this summer, in fact, in our prediction show, you even said they are not going to make the playoffs. You put sandwiches on it, uh, which just seems to me a little bit strange. But 
I, I admire. <laughs> you got to be bold. You know all. that was that was our onion hangers. You got to have one that you know isn't too likely, but it just shows that you're not afraid to take a chance. But it is an interesting matchup because you're not the only person that's doubting the Niners a little bit, and then you have the Cardinals, who everyone is high on. Uh, I said that I thought the Bucks were the off off season champion. The Cardinals came in second because everyone mm. just assumes, and this is a red flag for me a little bit. Everyone assumes that Kyler Murray is now going to take the Lamarian leap and become an MVP type player, and maybe he will, and maybe he's in a perfect offense for it. But that's a lot harder than it, it than it looks. I know Mahomes and Lamar did it back to back years, but that doesn't happen. But once a decade, typically. Mm. No, I would I'd right. say this too, that you know DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray didn't work much together in camp really at all. They really didn't get a lot of reps, so that might take a couple of weeks to to iron out. But also, you know, Richard Sherman, one of the last guys who seems healthy in the secondary, he doesn't flip-flop. I mean, he stays on one side, so you can kind of, if you're, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, scheme around where Sherman is not with Hopkins, and maybe that creates mm. an advantage for Arizona right there. So Sherman's like the anti-Sessler. You know, he doesn't flip-flop. He just sticks with Well, you know, I just dropped like massive predictions to come true in time. I don't know what you're talking about with the flip-flop business. That's absurd. Greg, you're up next on the snake. And uh, I'm glad you left this Patriots-Dolphins game for me. That's the one I want to watch early on (laughs) Sunday. And uh, these teams are kind of similar to me in some ways in that they have great you know, defensive backfields, they almost want you to run the ball against them. That's they're inviting you. It's not, I guess, a shock because Brian Flores and Bill Belichick have the same sort of defensive philosophy, but on offense, you also don't know what you're going to get. I think you're going to get a lot of running. I think you're going to get a lot of option football from Cam Newton. And I think you're going to get a lot of surprises from the Dolphins too. I would not be surprised to see Tua Tungavailoa out there with a special package. Both these coaches are so cagey that you know they just want to spring something on each other in week one. And Belichick is not happy that Flores went up there to Foxborough and basically ended the Tom Brady era in week uh, 17 last year, taking that bye away. So Belichick's ready for a little revenge. You're so right. I mean, you that win. game was wait. You can win. You can win against the Titans the next week. It wasn't over at that point. Just go win a football game. They lost game the bye. Any January. chance? Any chance they had at going deep into the playoffs and maybe winning a, a championship, which is all they're really worried about, it was over the second. You knew the team didn't have it at that point. That's all. I think it showed oh, it a, like awesome. a severe chink in the armor, and it was it, <laughs> it was you know you had Ryan Fitzpatrick you know with players jumping on his on his back. He's piggybacking players off the field. It just was not the way New, like New England likes to close the season. I thought it was interesting that beat writer Jeff Howe noted that coaches think that Cam Newton can still basically be the rusher he was in 2017 when he ran for 140 times or so. I cannot wait to see how they scheme him and what this offense looks like. You know, we got used to seeing, even if the Patriots switched it up with Tom Brady a little bit, it just looked the same year after year. Do you give the advantage to New England with, with surprise or Chan Gailey in Miami who hasn't coached since mm. 2016? And maybe wants to run, who knows, Wildcat or Pistol all day long. I'm going with uh, the Patriots in the element of surprise game here. Jan Gailey and Ryan Fitzpatrick made magic on the one Jets team that had a winning record in the last 10 years. Uh, so they have a, a knowledge uh, together. And I, I'm really interested to see. I've given Greg a hard time this offseason that the Patriots won't be special anymore. I still believe that. But Cam Newton, Cam Newton's He's playing special. football again. And it'll be interesting to see. The thing I'm most interested in with Newton is, is he going to be running around a lot? Because you know 
there's conversations in that building. Can he be that guy anymore? Because they kind of need him to be that guy because he's never been a special passer. It's when you put the two things together uh, that, that made him an MVP-level player. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how he's deployed in Belichick's offense. I think it'll be a ton of running. I think you'll see a lot of James White. I think you'll see some Sony Michelle. Both teams are going to run, but one team to me is more prepared to run. They have a better offensive line. That's the New England Patriots. The Dolphins have so many new starters. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to not have had a preseason to get ready for this year. You better win this game, Greg. You get things off on the right foot here. I mean, I'm <laughs> not playing. I'm not Dolphins. suiting up. I'm just, well, I'm just watching at home. We're going to be Greg's doing nervous. our week one recap show regardless. You know, we'll, we'll still Greg get paid. nervous. Oh, you're right, Mark. <laughs> I could hear it in his voice. All right, let's, uh, let's snake along, Greg. It goes right back to you. Oh, I am so excited. You didn't think this was going to get taken so high. It's the Las Vegas Raiders going to Charlotte this week to face uh, Mark's wow. boy, Matt Rule, and the Carolina Panthers. A little bit of a reach. I, a little bit of a I reach. don't think so. You know what? I got the Patriots on one TV, going to get my attention. I got this game on the secondary TV, and I picked it because there are two teams that I just – I like. I don't know what these two teams are going to look like, so I'm very curious. I mean, rule, it's a mystery. But even the Raiders, if you look at their starting lineup right now, they have nine players that are first- or second-year starters that were drafted by Mike Mack. That is an outrageous number. Most teams have two or three players like that. So it's a lot of rookies. It's rookies at wide receiver, you know, Ruggs and Edwards for the Raiders. So even though Gruden's been there a couple of years, it's it's a lot of mystery. And to me, that gets me uh, that gets me going on Sundays. Maybe, maybe it doesn't you. Maybe you're just already no. bored by these teams, Dan. I, I am with you. I think that... Tell me more what the gets Carolina you going side. on Sunday mornings. I like that. <laughs> Tell me I look more. at the Carolina side where the mystery is basically you've got like nine players on the defense that were in college a year ago, you know, studying uh, the books and playing on Saturdays. Now they're suddenly having to deal with the Raiders offense. John Gruden, year three. I, I flipped to the Carolina's offense, though. I mean, the big name that they have at OC, Joe Brady who basically turned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire into LSU's all-time leading pass-catching running back. And now Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is being taken number one overall in Kansas City by fantasy heads for that reason. And they basically have said, that's what we want to do with Christian McCaffrey, that there's no idea. This We're not going to diminish his role. He's basically, it's more of a Saints-type offense. They're going to run him the way that Alvin Kamara was used. And there are weapons on this offense. You still have DJ yep. Moore. I love that they got Robbie Anderson. The idea that this team is starting from scratch entirely is not true, but we do need to see the Teddy Bridgewater experience week one. I know, Mark, you've already put Matt Rule into the Hall of Fame as an NFL head coach. Yes, I have. But he, he has a Titanic... He has a titanic challenge in front of him this year. I don't like their chances early on in the season. They seem to me a team maybe kind of like how Brian Flores did it in Miami last year where they start out a little bit of a mess, and then as the season goes along and he starts to get the team more comfortable and everybody get, finds their roles, they get better. Uh, but I like the Raiders a lot in this game. I, I think they're, mm. uh, they, have more, they have a better uh, flow to them right now. They have more – uh, more in place entering the season. And I, I'm call me the one guy out there, at least in the national media, that thinks their car could be legitimately good this year, not just the guy that everybody kicks around mm. all the time. Yeah, I think it's a mismatch when they have the ball. The back seven for Carolina uh, is pretty rough. I thought you were going to lock it up there, but I guess not. Guess not. Still mm, no, I don't want to go that far, but I will. I do have a team in mind. Mark, it's your turn, buddy. All right. Well, you know, I'm predictable enough. I think that you know where I'm going here. I'm going to go Cleveland at Baltimore. 
And, you know, mm. I this game has given me um, some troubles internally because, you know, I, as a longtime Browns <laughs> oh, really? fan. That's a well, just a few. Just a few. I, I don't know if I like the idea of having to uh, roll out a whole new coaching staff and a new offense and a lot of new faces um, against a Baltimore team run by John Harbaugh and essentially all the same people from last year other than the fact that you added, you know, Derek Wolf and Calais Campbell and Patrick Queen to a what should be a much better run defense. I don't know in a mm. pandemic that I need um, Baltimore dropping a 40-burger on the Browns um, added into the spicy mix of life, but um, I am hopeful about the Browns in general. I really do think that the, the beeline through their entire offseason under Kevin Stefanski has been hyper-organization. All the players basically said – this coach is super zoned in. Everyone has very specific individual goals. Um, their practices were organized. There's a lot to like. I think Baker Mayfield has his head on straight this year. My concern is just that I don't think you're going to see it in week mm. one or right away. It's going to take time the same way it will for so many of these other teams. Maybe I'm being too, uh, too yeah. pessimistic here, Greg. Come on. Why, why are you so nervous? I mean, the well, Browns. It's the Ravens. Went- it's. It's hey, Ravens, what did they do Greg. in Baltimore last year? It was the Browns that dropped a 40-burger on the Ravens and gave them a big fat L. I mean, how about... I know, but you called that game chest? a fluke. You called that yeah, game a fluke little... when it happened. So, I mean, I, I kind of view that game as a little fluky myself. So, it, look I, at the rest I, I, of it. I history either way, boys. Okay. <laughs> I do too, but I, I think if you look at the Browns roster, I, I'm not trying to just, you know, pump you up. Okay, the Ravens are known for their backfield. Who's got the better running backs? I would take Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I really would. Who's got the sure. better tight ends? It's at least a question. You got Njoku. Uh, you add Austin Hooper. I know you love your boy uh, it, from the draft, the Browns. Harrison uh, Bryant. Took Harrison Bryant. Then you have the wide receivers. Who's deeper at wide receiver? I'm just saying. I mean, this Browns team is talented. So uh, let's uh, puff out our chest a but little bit. But that's what we thought last year. And for most of, the, most of the players you just brought up, Greg, they were all there last year, and all those Ravens yeah. guys were there last year. And one team went four, fourteen and two, and one team went six and ten. And they gave the, the Ravens a lot of problems both thing. games. Even the second matchup, they yes. they were ahead in that game, deep into it, and and then Freddie Kitchens happened. Greg, I, perhaps, or Dan, I would say this real quick. Just, the, the, I mean, the Browns are not the same offense, though. They actually added; they didn't have a tight end that was healthy at all last year. You've got three good tight ends. They're going to run the ball a ton. Baker Mayfield's going to be involved in play action, not these, you know, 11 sets all day long. I think that can make a positive effect. Mm. Yeah, I mean, but you, you're you also saying you think a 40-burger is about to be dropped on them. I know, so but, like, I, where but I'm Where are crazy. you really coming I, down on flop. this game? Flip-flop. I'm totally illogical. I think the Ravens have <laughs> Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens are a Super Bowl. They're in the top one, the top two teams in the AFC. The Browns are an unknown just, and probably will take six weeks to get their act together. I guess for me, it's like I went through it last year, as we all did with the Browns. Show me, show me that you're all these pieces mm, actually turn right. into something. And they made the right, they made the absolute right move. They had Freddie Kitchens was a bit of a punching bag and a scapegoat, I thought, and everything that went wrong was put on Freddie Kitchens, and maybe a lot of it was. But Kevin Stefanski, we'll see. He's kind of a blank slate to me too. I know he's had some success in his career, but I, I'm not ready to say, oh. They fixed head coach Kevin Stefanski's in town. So <laughs> anyone's for that reason, you to do that today. <laughs> the fact the fact that I don't trust the Browns after last year's mess, and the fact that the Ravens are mm. the Ravens and they're playing in Baltimore. I know there's nobody there. Mm. I'm I'm locking it up. I'm locking up the mm. uh, defending division champions to take out Mark's Browns and do it handily because I I get the feeling that they're probably well ahead of the Browns right now at this stage in the game. 
I mean, Dan just likes to, he likes to make the little cut and then just pour a big salt shaker of salt in it too. And that, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't appreciate this lock, Dan, but you know what? I think you're going to probably start one and oh, and, this uh, and I don't even think Steve is even, I don't think it you know, does at all, but you know, it doesn't pass my personal test, which is just about numbers. What do you mean? You but, guys um, just went on the whole thing. You, went, the you went position um, group by position group and said the Browns were better at every position than the Brown, than the Ravens. So I well, guess I am that picking the Browns the to keep it close. I am picking the Browns to keep it close. And now that you did this, I'm just going to pick, you know, I'm going to be uh, rooting for the Browns to win it outright. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Any final thoughts, Mark? On the Browns. No, I just, what, give me know, a record. About, give me a record. How about this? I think they could be nine and seven or eight and eight. Uh, I'm being conservative there, maybe, or maybe I'm not. But how about surprise me for once? They haven't won a season opener since 2004 when Jeff Garcia was Oof. quarterback. That was the year oh I've lived God. in L.A. They have not. When I moved to L.A., they have not won a season opener since. Maybe it's maybe I've jinxed them by moving, you know, to the West Coast. Um, this is how I think. It's too, it's it's a mess. It's a mess. Get me out of here. <laughs> All right. Hang in there, buddy. All right. It's time. Are we snaking again? You know, there's so many reasons why I miss Wes on the show on a show-by-show basis, but the snake comes at you fast. It's a three-person draft. I mean, show. translation, Dan doesn't know what he's going to pick. Make a choice, Dan. I don't. Well, no, this will be good for you, Mark, because I know you don't like when I say anti-Browns things. So now you get a chance to make 17 Adam Gase jokes because I'm going to pick the Jets at Buffalo Bills. The J-Men okay. going up to Orchard Park in a, a very uh, difficult uh, game assignment for them, obviously. Uh, everyone loves these Bills, and that's part of the reason. Obviously, I'm always going to be super plugged in and want to see my Jets, especially in week one when hope is still somewhat in the building. Uh, but what kind of Bills team are we going to get? I mean, who who are the Bills? Because some people see them as a Super Bowl team. And then there are other people out there, and Greg Greg is one of them, and I think I am too, that say, yeah, they're a Super Bowl team except for the guy that plays the most important position, and he still needs to make improvements in Josh Allen. So how does Josh Allen come out uh, out of the gate? Because I want to remind you guys of one thing. I'm breaking my own rule because this is ancient history too, but last year when the Bills and Jets played as well, and the Jets blew the game in hideous fashion, and Sam Darnold had mono, and C.J. Mosley tore his groin. But Josh Allen was terrible in that game. I think he had four turnovers in the first two quarters mm-hmm. of the game. And is that going to be the guy that comes out of the gate this year, too, where he's chopping, he's throwing the ball everywhere, and he's putting the ball on the ground? Because that version of Josh Allen needs to go away if we want to take the Bills seriously. Super Bowl contenders, he's got to be better with the ball. He's got to be more accurate. And he's got to be, you know, his head's got to be on his shoulders because the last time we saw him, he melted down a little bit against the Texans in that wild card game. So this is his first Mm. game since then. So we'll start with the Bills there. I think they're obviously the favorite here. Uh, You got, what do you guys think about seeing the Bills in 2020 finally in action? Ooh. I know you're excited, Mark. I mean, this is the team you've been pumping up, but I, I think Greg Williams is a pretty interesting challenge for Josh Allen right off the bat uh, because he's he's not going to cheat you for lack of blitzes and showing you different looks. Like, he's going to test Josh Allen mentally. I don't think the Jets have the same personnel, uh, at least that they would like with Mosley, you know, opting out and, and Jamal Adams gone. Um, but, but I kind of flip it around and think about Sam Darnold's two games against this Bills defense. And, yeah, maybe he did have mono that first game. It was a rough week one to start week one you can always throw out but I remember that week 17 game too when he's going up against the Bills backups and they got three points with about seven minutes left in the game and 
this is such a good secondary. It's such a veteran defense. It's about as trustworthy a, a veteran defense, I think, as there is in the league. So it is a big-time challenge for Gase and Darnold right off the bat to show that there's been a little bit of progress this offseason because it doesn't get much tougher, I don't think, than, than going up to Orchard Park. I mean, I'd, I'd also point to a different coordinator and Brian Dable, who, you know, in Buffalo is one of the more creative offensive play callers around and did a lot of interesting stuff last year, especially late in the year with pace and timing and no huddle that helped Josh Allen. So I think that those two guys grew together as the season went along. And, you know, I know other people do this, but I'd point to that Cowboys game as what Josh Allen is capable of, along with the games where he's mistake prone. Um, but Dan, I don't, I don't just, you know, think the Jets are going to get wiped here. I think that, you know, we are forgetting about someone like Le'Veon Bell because of what happened last year. And we're forgetting at times about the fact that Sam Darnold can do things for three games in a row. He, he completely confirms for you, if you're a Jets fan, why he was taken where he was taken in the draft. I think he's been put in a really tough situation. Um, their offensive line should be a little bit better, but again, it's four of five new starters. That the, that's the kind of thing it's going to take time for teams to mesh. Uh, I, Buffalo, you know, th- to me, just simply is sort of stronger all over the place, and their defense has been very consistent year to year under Sean McDermott, and I don't see that going away. So it's a really big challenge for mm. Darnold right out of the gate. It is, and I'm looking forward to it because one thing with Sam Darnold is – there are no, there will be no excuses this year, and it, that same thing goes for him in his third year and Baker Mayfield in his third year. These guys need to ball out, and as much as Darnold kind of got put behind the eight balls first two years, and maybe he's still there because Adam Gase, I don't know, maybe he's just the wrong guy, and any quarterback tied to him is not going to be in a good position to win. But they did improve the offensive line; they got really good marks from people that covered the team this summer. I don't know if it's going to be great, and even Joe Douglas, they're not the hogs uh, up front, uh, but they are much better. Uh, and there are, you know, like you said, Le'Veon Bell. Christopher Herndon, the tight end. There they're are wide receivers here that are that they're healthier, they're getting healthy at the right time for week one. To cut down mistakes. He needs smarter with the ball, and he has to show the Jets that he's the guy. Because if he doesn't, if he's not better, the Jets are going to stink. Mm. They're going to be three and thirteen bad, and then the the organization is going to have a big decision with a high draft pick. So that's a lot of pressure on my boy Sam. But I do believe in him, and I, I'm so mm. excited to see him play right off the bat. I want to see what he does here. With my boy, Denzel Mims. He's practicing fully. He's back. Perriman's back. I'm glad because I don't want to see Sam Darnold with, you know, both hands tied behind his back. So I I think Mims is going to be a key for them. And I'm excited at least that that they're a little healthier going into this game. I think it's it's interesting to see. And Mims missed missed training camp, essentially. Mm. It's interesting to see Dan's optimism. Um, for a Jets team that could collide into total darkness. And my pessimism with my team, I think it's – Dan, I do appreciate that you kind of always start these years hoping for the best. We'll see where we are, you know, by Sunday night. Well, it's but, supposed to be fun, um, Mark. You know, that, I mean, that's sports. I wish it were to... fun. It's not, it's not I mean, the fans' fault when the team goes 2-14. and 14. How much fun am I supposed to draw from that? I mean – Let's, no, but you know, this is let's the time. Make it, help me, help me have this some is, fun. So I guess my point: this is the time where we get to have fun and just hope for the best, and then reality sets in, and then we then we could be miserable and and be you know nervous and all that. <laughs> well, well, let's enjoy this coming, moment while we yeah. can. All right, uh, uh, snakes to me, snakes to me, and a big part of doing this is you want to make sure you don't overly populate. Um, certain time spots, because we really are. This is no no joke. This ain't no jive talk, as the great Damashek used to say. 
we will be assigned to watching these games come Sunday for the website and then reporting on them for around the NFL flagship show on Sunday night. Um, so I have to make the choice. I got to pick a 4 p.m. game Eastern. It will be Chargers at Bengals. And it's kind of a no brainer for me because for two reasons. Um, one, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is playing this game. He's the number one pick. Everyone's in love with them. Cincinnati's become a frisky team. They are, of course, the team that we have uh, really decided to track on a higher level this year. They, we are in the Bengals sanctuary. So, you know, shame on <laughs> us that it's even taken this long for the Bengals to be drafted in the week one preview draft. So to see how this offense was Zach, under Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow operates right out the gate, see if the defense has improved, which needs to happen as well. And, and then the Chargers uh, – a month ago, I would have said, all right, I'm only interested in this game because of uh, Cincinnati's offense and the guy playing quarterback. But Hard Knocks, they did what they do, and they did an awesome job giving us a better idea of what the Chargers are about as a team and uh, institutionally with head coach Anthony Lynn. So they're kind of an easy team to root for. How do they recover uh, from the loss of Derwin James? And in the Hard Knocks finale, you saw how Derwin James's injury happened and how crushing it was inside that building. Matt Money Smith, who's the voice of the Chargers, was saying to me on the Power Ranking show that there's still pieces here for this to be one of the better defenses in the league, that people are getting too caught up in the James thing and saying that the Chargers now don't have a chance. They still could have a very good defense. They just lose that ceiling of being maybe the best defense in the league. I don't know if I don't think people were getting caught up in Derwin James. I think like it was appropriately, you know, labeled a disaster for them. But here's how you, you know, you make up for it. You unleash Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Linval Joseph against a Bengals offensive line that has not improved. Um, and I, I really think oh, that on. the one hindrance potentially. Well, they just got a first round I mean, pick back. That we'll see. He didn't play last year. I mean, so that he's like a lot of other rookies playing left tackle where we'll, you know, I hope that works out for them. But the rest of their line, if you go look at like the PFF grades and sort of just watch what happened last year, that is what could stunt Burrell's growth. And, I'm, and I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. I mean, it, it, it caused total havoc for them a year ago. I mean, you're going to need Joe, probably to get a lot of Joe Mixon early on. I think that you know, you see where like AJ Green is going in fantasy drafts. People have forgotten about AJ Green. If he's healthy, that is a huge mm-hmm. add-on to this offense. So there are ways out of problems, but you're not behind the Colts' offensive line if you're Joe Burrow, and that is my one concern. That can rattle a young guy big time. It, it's a big time concern, but I, I'd flip it to the Chargers too. Their chart, their offensive line does not look great on paper. I mean, they're a little bit better at tackle now this year, but the at right tackle especially, I mean, at left tackle, might be the worst starter in the league, at least in terms of their performance, a year ago. And I don't like teams that are one-dimensional. And I I am a little worried the Chargers' offense is going to be one-dimensional. It's like you look at this Bengals' secondary – where they already lost Trey Waynes, they're starting a, uh, a third-year guy, Darius Phillips, and they don't have much depth. And you're like, okay, let's attack them through the air. Well, is Anthony Lynn and Tyrod Taylor going to attack them through the air? Are they, you know, if Mike Williams, their wide receiver, doesn't play in this game, do they even have the receivers to attack them? You're going into a game where it's like you want to just keep it close by running the ball. I, I don't like that one bit. I kind of like the Bengals maybe as an upset home team here, using all that talent that, uh, that Joey Burrow has got around him. Is that an upset? 
Oh yeah, uh, I, I think mean, that would I'm be just an going upset strictly to lose to a by rookie the rules. Quarterback. It is an upset. I'm just going strictly, you yeah. know, by what the, the people in the in the desert are, are telling me. But now, uh, you know, now Zach Taylor's got got enough receivers to actually run the type of offense he wants, where he's got you know three wide receivers on the field. Like last year, they were running it out there; it didn't make a lot of sense. Now they got some players that can actually run this team. All right, up next, Mark Sessler. All right, I this is a game that I would be surprised in, in days past that I would pick because it's probably would have been my last pick in years years of old. I'm going to go uh, Bears at Detroit, Chicago at Detroit. A couple interesting things happening after this, you know, um, somewhat ridiculous quarterback competition in Chicago. How does Mitch Trubisky look um, against a team that he's fared really well against historically? It's like the one team that he's almost you know consistently and reliably um, taken care of. Uh, but hmm. I think this. Detroit defense up front is a little bit different in the past. They don't have a lot of pass rush. I think they kind of sort of sit back and say, maybe come at us. Uh, but you've got a rookie cornerback in Jeff Okuda. Uh, for me, though, it's all about the Lions. I, I have picked the Lions as my seventh NFC wildcard team. And I just want to see if there's any reality to that. Can it be real? And I, I think the running back situation is really murky with Adrian Peterson there. Uh, Matt Patricia's been glowing over Adrian Peterson in practice. So that kind of tells me, He's going to be the dude at it right away because they don't seem to really trust anyone else at the moment health-wise. Great offense. Matthew Stafford, I think, could be very effective. Um, if you don't start 1-0 here, if you're Detroit, I think you got mm-hmm. questions. I, I, I think you need to have a quick start. Um, they've got a bit of an issue with some of their scheduling. And if you're the Lions, like let's kind of say what happened last year after Matthew Stafford went down was the myth, the reality is that we can be a 9-7 and type team with 42 expatriates on our defense. <laughs> I mean, you said that Trubisky has good numbers against the Lions. It's like the one team he's done well. Well, that's because everyone has good numbers against Matt Patricia's Lions defense. I mean, you've yep. been there three years. <laughs> you got your you got your own GM picking the players for you. It's like show up. Now, I mean, just show up and be average. Uh, on offense, we know they're going to get it done. And uh, I, I'm curious if the Bears are going to be a difference-making defense still. They, they still were very good last year, so it's not an easy matchup. But they'll score points. But, man, Patricia, it, it's time because if you – you can't stop Mitchell Trubisky in year four. Like you haven't been stopping him in year two and three. It's like, what are we doing here? Why, why are you our head coach? Get it done. Exactly. That's why the optimism around the lines, I guess, including yourself, Mark, you've been on that train on social media. This is still the same coaching staff. And just because Matthew Stafford's back, what were they? Three, five, and one before he went out. I mean, it's like three, four and one. Yeah. I guess There's I need some to good see. offensive numbers, but you're right. Yeah. I, it's, I need to that's see really if this fair team is going to play for Patricia on a well, on a week in week week out basis because two years in it's just not been working. I mean they 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 nearly beat the Chiefs last year. I mean when they're on they're on and I it's a lot right, of nearlies it though. It's a lot of nearlies yep. and uh, we'll see. Like Adrian, I don't know the Adrian Peterson thing is fun, but it kind of weirds me out. It's like I was all excited about DeAndre Swift. It's, I'm not fully confident in them like being able to figure out a, a bit of a complicated soup on their roster. And it's funny how if you watch football long enough, and I'll use an example from the past, when the Jets had Rich Kotite and they went 1-15, they lost so many games right at the end of the game, and then Bill Parcells <laughs> took over the next year, and they started winning those games. Like Coaching plays a big part in those narrow games where you need somebody to you know, figure out how to get it down, down the stretch. I don't know. Matty P, I kind of – Patricia is not a guy that I root against. I think – you know, Me neither. He, he, Me neither. He, he can no. do it, but it's time. It's time. Big year three for him. All right. 
Who's up next? I believe it's Greg with the snake back to you, pal. Ooh, I'm glad and thankful you left me the last primetime game on the board. It's Titans. It's Broncos. It's late night. But they're weirdly using the ESPN number one team. I don't know what's going on there. It's Lewis Riddick. I'm excited to watch him on Monday nights. I think we're going to have a better uh, experience. And I think he's got a fun game. Because I think Drew Locke is fun, and I'm not sure what we're going to get out of the Titans, but it's just hard to be as optimistic about these Broncos since the Von Miller news. We have not taped a podcast since we found out that Von Miller uh, is likely lost for the season, definitely lost for uh, three, four months. And you think of what the Broncos were going to be under Vic Fangio, and they were really playing some good defense. He was coaching them up. And you're thinking it starts up front with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, and now you have Von Miller's out, and Bradley Chubb's coming off a torn ACL and hasn't practiced fully in weeks. And that makes me a little concerned uh, going up against a, a very veteran Titans offense. Yeah, I mean, they, and they reached out, the Broncos, to, to Clay Matthews, trying to get him to join the party, and he declined, and there were whispers that Clay Matthews wasn't going to play the entire season, and they said, no, he actually is still interested in the right situation, but Denver wasn't <laughs> the right situation, and it seemed like the prime place to go and contribute right away. I mean, I flip it over to you know Arthur Smith, uh, the Titans play caller, and what he's been hearing all offseason is you know Ryan Tannehill could never be the same guy he was last year. There's an interesting stat from Roto World that when Mariota was the starter, the Titans averaged 0.43 points per minute. When T- T- when Tannehill took over, it shot up to 0.99, which is doubling the production point-wise that Mariota <laughs> uh, put on board there. Now, I mean, we saw it with our own eyes. It was real. Um, can Tannehill be that guy two years in a row? So much later in his career than you could point to and say it's just simply growth. I think a lot of it has to do mm. with what Arthur Smith does with Tannehill and, you know, that way that offense is based. I think you can still get somewhere in between the Tannehill from the Dolphins and what we had last year, which was probably a lot of statistical outliers, but still a player put into a much better situation than he was in Miami. Yeah, I think Mm. the uh, Ryan Tannehill situation is maybe not as dire as people are making it out to be because I think with the setup that he has here, I don't think we're going to go back to seeing the Ryan Tannehill guy in Miami that frustrated everyone. I think he'll always be a little better than that at this point, as long as he can stay healthy, which was also an issue in his past that he was able to get past in 2019. But asking him to be that borderline dominant guy as as he was down the stretch in the regular season last year, that's a lot. But can they still be a top AFC contender if he is a step below what he was last year? And and this is a perfect game to, I think, show that he doesn't need to do that much. Like, he takes a lot of sacks. I don't know if the Broncos are a team that's going to be able to generate sacks right now. They're a team that, if they struggle on defense, it's definitely against the run that you could just imagine Derrick Henry having a big game. I am excited to watch uh, Drew Locke in this game. But uh, when Same. the number one thing I could come up with when picking – for the Broncos was the altitude, which I don't know after like no preseason games, it does kind of seem like a hard thing. Uh, that's probably not a good sign. I'm just, I'm just glad uh, that it's not Mariota going. Cause this was the gate to uh, Denver. Cause this was the game that broke our buddy, Chris Wesley. I don't know if you remember, it was 16, nothing, a shutout. It's the game. Mariota got benched. Uh, he fi- after right. five years, he finally gave up on Mariota after this game, which was just a tough one to watch. So if the Broncos, uh, Want to feel good about anything? That's it. They shut out this Titans team a year ago, albeit with Mariota. I had an off season of like 
minor key feuding with the Broncos fan base about Drew Locke. And that's why it's so good that football's back because now we could see, I'm not even saying who's right. Cause I've never said that Drew Locke stinks. It's New just like, let's see him in know? games of games of consequence, games that matter. What happens? Um, looking forward to it. All right. Who's mm. up, Greg? It snakes back to you. It, it does. I don't think there's any way uh, for me to avoid just have it loading up on early games. So I might as well take my Super Bowl champion prediction, Indianapolis Colts heading down to the fish tank. Do we? That, no, wait, that's Miami. Whatever they call Jacksonville where they got the pool <laughs> in like, in like 3,000 fans. This game uh, might be the least the watched game of the tank. weekend. Right, the big chlorine tank. That's what it is. Like where I am a little, started. I'm a little worried about this game what, uh, for the Colts. I really am because I think people, and, and I see it in terms of uh, how people are predicting this game and how heavy a favorite the Colts are, uh, that people just think the Jaguars are going to totally stink. And as we've talked about this show, I think week one's going to be weird. And the Jaguars actually have a lot of continuity on their offensive line for the first time ever. It's not as bad as it used to be. I think they have okay weapons. Uh, at receiver. And they have Jay Gruden, who I think is a quality offensive coordinator. So if you're going to tell me this game comes down to the last drive and Phillip Rivers needs to make uh, one of those, you know, last minute touchdowns to go win, it would not surprise me one bit. It just feels like it's a it's a tricky spot. It's division rivals. I'm not just assuming the Colts are going to roll in there and win a game right off the bat by a lot. Why are you laughing, Mark? I don't know. I've I, I, I really think this offense is kind of set to fly in Indianapolis because I think they're going to be run heavy. I find it interesting that Jonathan Taylor, who seemed like he was just going to take over at running back, is now being sold as, you know, we drafted him as a complimentary piece to Marlon Mack. That's not a bad thing. They must really we'll like Marlon Mack. You know, I, I want to see too. I want to see where we are like in a month with that. But to me, I, I just like teams in this weird environment that we're in if you come in with the best offensive line in football returning everyone mm-hmm. and i mean it's the best tackle combination you've got the best guard in football they just re-signed their center i mean that's something that philip rivers has not had on his side in a while and so maybe we move away from the environment where philip rivers it, who cannot run for a, for a, a, a lick at this point is trying to run for his life you know against pass rushers and winging the ball 40 yards downfield this is a better setup for him. I don't know what that – I'm not sure Phillip Rivers is necessarily still a totally functional quarterback. That's why we need these games, to Dan's point. But the setup and the whole situation screams 11-5 and five to me. I, the defense, mm. by the way, in Indianapolis I'm is really you. frisky too. And their schedule's great always, for a bit. The old Zeuser has always enjoyed spoiling for a fight with Rosenthal and Wessling, the, two, the mailman – and the old boss about Philip Rivers because he seems to get the excuses that Eli Manning never got uh, because he's great at football because he's great at throwing yeah, the I'm football sh- on target to the people he's intending. Sometimes it goes to the other team. Yeah, Plaxico Burris. Plaxico Burris caught an on target pass. So did Mario Manningham. Greg Ellis uh, Hobbs was uh, about fifteen feet away from Plaxico Burris at that time. But you're right, Eli did play uh, well in those playoffs. That was a decade ago. I can't believe still we're still talking. I enjoy, but thirteen years Phil Rivers ago. is. Phil Rivers, I think he is who he is at this point. And, yes, he needed to go somewhere. This is the best place he could have gone. That's the only reason I'm buying it at all is that he's gone to a place with a great offensive coach and Frank Wright and a great offense line in front of him. But there might be, and I I would say 
you know, I am not locking in 11 and five, even close to it, because it's like this could absolutely go sideways with Philip mm. Rivers, where it doesn't matter what you put in front of him. He's still an old man throwing balloons into the secondary and hoping for the best. Uh, so I see that as a problem, even if the even if the protection is better. I like them in this game because I think the Jaguars are going to stink. Uh, but I still think the Colts have a lot of questions to answer with uh, that quarterback. In fact, I wouldn't even put it past the realm of possibility, Greg, that Jacoby Brissett, Jake Brisket, gets a little bit of PT, coach's decision style, hmm. by week 17. Ooh, slice me off a piece of that Jake Brisket. Yikes! Put a sandwich oh, God, on. That. You are I mean, down uh, he, on Rivers. He's making Jacoby Brissett's making bit. more money than than any backup uh, in the league. I guess him and Alex Smith uh, are, are paid almost like starters. Um, I do think Mark made a good point on this game specifically in terms of the, the Colts do want to be a running team, and the Jaguars like half of their defensive tackles opted out or retired. Uh, you know, early in in the offseason. so that that could be trouble when problem. you're trying to stop the run. I think it's a problem. All right, Mark, you're up. We got two games left. So you will essentially be picking yeah. for me as well now. So just That's treat it, me huh? gently. Hold yeah. me close. Well, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm going to be generous to you and probably give you the game that you would have preferred here, but I'm going to pick what mm. I want to see for a couple of reasons. I'm taking uh, the Philadelphia Eagles visiting Washington, the Washington football team. I kind of just want to see how Ron Rivera you, opens this very <laughs> new era. You're welcome, Dan. You're welcome. I mean, I, it's you know, it's no way. No, it's, it's a Rivera. You have to follow the Twitter mm. handle of the Washington Football Club. It's New Rivera. Oh, oh I, I like that. I'm not, Although, I'm not huge into that wordplay, but I I don't feel ordered to say that. <laughs> you know what I well, don't when like? You say though, era you twice know, that quickly. You know. Are we going well just Washington for, for everything? Because, you know, if you wanted to catch up, you know, we, we are, you know, taping this uh, on NFL.com. You can always check that out. It says Eagles at Washington. And I noticed that with my picks, they, they edited my picks from like Eagles 20, football team 10, and they just changed it to Washington. I don't like it. Yeah, they've veered wanna, away if from they're, also if they're named the football team, football let's call team. them the football team. I, I that would jur- be the most an old journalism school did. trick. An old journalism school trick is in a sentence, if you're going to say the city name, when you're mentioning the other team, you should say their city name too. The idea of mixing Eagles with Washington, yep. it should be Philadelphia at Washington. Yep. I'm okay, with you Mark. on that too. Mark, you can I, now I, get I, I into your analysis. Sure. Whenever anyone's ready for that. I, I don't think today's <laughs> editors seem to care about those old uh, J school rules. Here, here's the thing. Like, I mean, the Eagles, you know, very banged up. Um, you know, they're, I, they're just not who they are. It's, it's crazy that a year ago, these two teams battled in week one. The Eagles lost to Sean Jackson after a monster game and were never the same at that position. And a year later, all Sean Jeffrey's not around. I mean, he's not healthy. They're banged up all over the place. Jalen Rager's not healthy. It's like we have to see what happens there. Um, but I'll flip to Washington and let you guys discuss the Eagles after. I just want to see Dwayne Haskins in this offense. I want to see... What happens with um, their backfield? You know, Scott Turner, he's the guy that battled for them to draft Antonio Gibson, who had about 33 carries in college. But they are saying that he kind of fits that Christian McCaffrey role that Scott Turner oversaw in Carolina. So what does that mean between him and Bryce Love out of week one? You know, outside of Terry McLaurin, you really don't have much at wide receiver. But that said, I mean, everyone's sort of just putting Washington into this 2-14 and bucket. Don't forget about this defensive line, which I think could cause absolute problems for, you know, I know that you in, in, in Philadelphia, you've got, 
your guy back at left tackle, but I don't like the Eagles line situation in mm. week one right here. And maybe guys like Chase Young and, so, and, uh, and the rest of the crew they have up front there, that's a Ron Rivera dream. So that is their one advantage I think they have against opposing offenses. I mean, how about our uh, crack team behind the, the scenes here? They changed the graphic. It's now Philadelphia at Washington. Be the oh, change wonderful. you want to see in the yes. world. Um, Gandhi. That was that was a Gandhi quote. Uh, Jason oh, Peters, the guy quote. you mentioned at, at left tackle. I don't even think it was uh, Gandhi. Um, but uh, my son's George super Clinton. into like this Gandhi book. Uh, he really likes the history stuff. Uh, let's get back to Jason Peters. We thought he was Isn't history he like at left tackles. How weird is it? He's five, but they have these like you know kids like history ones where it's like I am Gandhi. Um, but then no, he wants you to do it in the voices, and you start worrying it's a little racist. So you're like, no, I don't want to do it in the voices. Um, You've revealed quite Jason, a bit here, Greg. Jason Peters so decided whether he was going to play left tackle or not. It was really weird because at first he said no. Wait, I want to hear your he, Gandhi voice. No, I don't do it. That's what I'm saying. Because he listens to the audio version too, and then he wants me to read it separately, uh, and he wants me to do it in those voices. And uh, <sighs> Very Do the tricky. entire it's, show it's, in your it's, Gandhi voice. It's potentially problematic. It's a little like um, it's like a different version of Dan doing um, Lakeisha's mom. You know, it's a different version. <laughs> different well, version that's not that. problematic. Your version no, okay. of problematic you, is you, very you, sensitive. You figure it out. I do think the Eagles line will be problematic. How about that? Um, I think it's just so interesting that Peter's – didn't tell. It was totally up to him. And Doug Peterson was super thankful that Jason Peters came to him on Monday and said, "Okay, I will play left tackle." Before that, they were just not. They were just going to go with a totally different plan. I mean, you got to be like a Hall of Famer uh, with a lot of um, pelts on the wall to just be calling the shots. I've, I've almost never heard of anything like that. I think they'll be fine. At least they'll be fine in this game. I don't know if there's any team in the league that could have used a preseason more than Washington. I, I'm giving oh, them absolutely. two or three weeks before I even judge them at all because they just got so much going on. That's new. I mean, they're a soap opera off the field. Ron Rivera is fighting health issues. I, and then the team itself really does nothing for me. Uh, so thank you, Mark. Uh, let's see how Washington does. Uh, but I feel like the Eagles should take care of business here. Jalen and Rager might play us- in this game. Little surprise. Jalen Rager might play. That would be hmm. huge. Uh, all right. Last game, that leaves the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Atlanta to face the Falcons. An early game. Like it. Solid game. The Falcons are a little bit uh, nondescript right now in terms of from the national spotlight perspective. You're just not hearing a lot about them. Uh, They're flying under the radar, and maybe that's uh, with good reason. Maybe this is a team uh, that just doesn't have – uh, big expectations and they're going to be a middle of the pack group, but let's see how it plays out because I do think uh, at least offensively that things could be special here. And I know Todd Gurley mm. is a guy that we uh, wrote off in many circles and he's not the same guy he used to be, but he's going to have a, he's going to have every chance to prove people wrong uh, in Atlanta in that backfield. And then you have Julio Jones who's 31 years old, but still an all time great. And Calvin Ridley, who I really think has a chance to be the breakout wide receiver uh, of this season. And then Matt Ryan's still there, who let me down on my fantasy team back in 2017. But I'm over it. <laughs> I've moved on. So why can't everyone else give the, yeah, Falcons, give the Falcons a chance? And on um, the Seattle side of the ball, 
yeah, the Jamal Adams trade was huge. It added a piece to their defense that they needed. I still have no idea. And I would love someone to explain to me how they pressure the quarterback this season because last time I checked, that's very important uh, in the NFL. Uh, I like Seattle. I don't love them. And I kind of feel the same way about the Falcons. I think this is a close game. Mm. I think you're right. And I, I thought back to these two teams and I was like, do the – does Matt Ryan sneaky own Russell Wilson? Because I had a vague memory, so I checked out the you know who needs a research department. Checked out the old sneaky Pro own. Football Reference <laughs> like game game index, and I was right. Matt Ryan's five and two against the Russell Wilson Seahawks, and including twice in the playoffs. And that's why it had stuck in my mind that the Falcons took care of business at home against the Seahawks team uh, a couple times in games that made a big difference. So is that really going to matter this week? I don't know, but it helped uh, convince me to pick the Falcons because uh, I'm with you, Dan, that I don't trust the Seahawks up front. And, man, what a cliche it is. Like, you win the game in the trenches. But I look at these (laughs) trenches in Seattle, and I'm not loving it on either side. They, They have a new right side of the offensive line that's not inspiring. They don't seem to have much of a pass rush, as you mentioned. And so I thought, okay, let's let's go for a slight upset here. The Falcons taking care of business because Matty Ice owns Russ. Well, and that and that would mean that Atlanta will start seven and zero and then lose nine in a row because they they are they streaky sure. an NFL team as you can find in recent years under Dan Quinn. I want to see if Seattle sticks to this uh, this business about you know Russell Wilson saying let's let's treat every quarter like the fourth quarter. That Brian Schottenheimer is saying you know we want to start Please. games faster. Uh, I I think that they that they may believe that and they really want to do it. I mean, it's going to take take Schottenheimer to kind of lift away from his DNA, where you're going to want to run Chris Carson 35 times a game. But why not do that with Russell Wilson? You've got good receivers. You've got a good setup for him. I I I, I like that for Seattle. On the flip side, I mean, to me, Gurley is a huge question mark. And I also want to see if Hayden Hurst can just step into the Austin Hooper role and produce at the tight end position the same way, because that is an integral part of their attack. It has been under Matt Ryan for three or four years. So that is a key, key thing. And if he can't, like, they're going to have to find other ways to move the ball. I don't know if I trust the wide receiver group if anyone gets hurt. I mean, it's not super deep. Um, really, really interesting Falcons team on offense. And Brian Schottenheimer running that offense in Seattle. Chris Carson is, I feel like, one of the more underrated uh, lead backs, but he does put the ball on the carpet a lot. And you wonder if that is a problem that he can't fix. And that could be a hard problem to fix for running backs. We talked about it with mm. quarterbacks, which they could coach that out, but sometimes these guys can't do it. Uh, does that affect his usage? And anybody that drafted Chris Carson hates that I just said that, but just something <laughs> to keep in mind as 2020 uh, begins. All right. Good stuff, guys. We made good, it. Uh, it's fun. Good opening preview pod. Ricky, are you there? What's up? Hey, Ricky. Hey, guys. Hey, Ricky. How's it going? We want to let Ricky in the locks battle this year. I I would love it. One lock at the end of each episode. Yeah. Ricky, give us a lock of the week. I am going to start off strong here, and I'm going to lock up the Bengals over the Chargers. Mm, like that. I like it. A little saucy, but I'm excited. And, you know, Tyrod yeah. Taylor, Joe Burrow, Derwin James is down. Who, AJ Green's feeling healthy. It's going to be exciting. I'm actually excited to watch All the right. Bengals. I have Beautiful. one wish for this weird year, and it is that – and it's not – a Greg, it's not about you specifically, but if Erica beat Greg in the locks – uh, lock-off oh. scenario, it would be one See, of the more dynamic... Her, um, I'm giving her a 50-50 chance. Locks, 
That would I know, that's, that's a listeners very, don't I think listen to anything I'm saying. That would chap Greg's buns. The locks is a is a silly. Uh, it's mostly locks. I love a fifty fifty. It's silly it's if like, you lose. She's either gonna beat I'm, me or she's I, not. I'm saying uh, it's a coin flip. It's all luck. I have no predictive ability. That's what I've learned. Oh, well, that's I gonna do. get. No, none that's of us gonna do. get Greg's buns hot if he if he doesn't beat Ricky. I love it. Chap those Another buns. Another lot to watch. What do they say in All scary right. movie? They're like women's ESPN. Call it my women's ESPN. <laughs> but I feel like the Bengals are going to win. You love, All right. you love scary movie. Locked it up. All right. Later tonight, of course, uh, the a recap of Thursday night football. That will be its own podcast that lands. And then Sunday night. Yes, it's time. Uh, the flagship program where we re- recap every game we just previewed will also, of course, be live on the air on Sky Sports over there uh, in the UK and in Ireland. So we're very excited to be a part of that team again with Neil Reynolds and and Rob and the whole gang. So that's very exciting. So a new season is here and uh, you will hear from us next tonight and then Sunday. That's it. Stan Hans is signing off for Fight Storm, the old boss. And Ricky Hollywood in the locks competition. Oh, we just got some sizzle. Till Sunday night. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, Have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.